You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Minnesota Sports Podcast you didn't ask for. It's the Mini Market Pod presented by Tellum Sports. The gang's all here this week. I'm Dalton with Isaiah, Connor, and Lucas. Connor, you were out for most of last week. What was it like listening back? Well, it's uh, it's good to be back. It's uh, it's good to be back on the podcast. It was really fun to listen to the three man weave last week. Um, I just kind of wanted to let the fans know that uh, that we have had internal conversations about my dedication to this podcast, these guys, and my passion for the mini market. Um, I have been reprimanded for my actions, and uh, I just want to do whatever I can for as long as I'm a part of this team to help us win. So that's what I want to say first and foremost. Um, and then I had a couple notes. It was really fun to be on the other side of uh, other side of this whole thing and listen to the pod, not really know what's going on. Uh, first and foremost, I think it was absurd. And I understand that there's some satire, but the Pro Bowl MVP versus the regular MVP was one of the dumbest <laughs> asinine things I've ever heard. And the fact that nobody jumped on Dalton, I was skeptical of the whole group that Dalton was comparing well. I mean, one game versus the entire career was against the top players who were going half speed. It was wild. That was preposterous. Second, there was a great take. I think there was a little Parise versus Everson uh, conspiracy theory, and I think that could, there's a chance that could be alive and well. I don't know if you guys saw it against the uh, the Desert Dogs. Parise was benched for the last 12 minutes of the game last game in a 4-0 wild win. Um, pretty much every forward on the team played in those last 12 minutes at some point other than Parise. So there's a chance there uh, the mini market – could be uh could be on to something there, boys, with that one. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I just wanted to tip my cap to Ike for uh, bringing out the stain in his lane, go Wolves. Um, that was pretty funny when he does all this hockey talk, and then he's like, and I've decided that I'm the reason, so I'm going to stay out of the way. Um, I thought there was a potential missed opportunity when uh, the, the Zimmer's legs came up. Um, I was at home. I was mouthing, I'm interested, when we brought that up, and I was laughing <laughs> about that. Uh, one of my favorite moments was the Jason Kubel RKO. Lucas comes out of nowhere <laughs> with the squinty eyes. He's like, maybe that's why he had a poor average. And at home, I was running around just going, oh, uh, laughing pretty hard at that one. So that was great. Um, but on a serious note, the actual best moment was Lucas calling Isaiah bony bitch. That was the highlight of this podcast uh, thus far. That was In actually Mark Andre Fleury caught. I mean, that. Oh, that's, that's true. Mark Andre threw. <laughs> Flurry through Lucas calling him a bony bitch. That was the best part of this podcast uh, to date through 11 episodes. And then um, it was hilarious listening to Ike flip on his coaching, hiring, and firing take where he goes, if you only win 15 games next season, we got to get rid of them. After like being very about like, we need to let guys grow and build the team. So those were some of my highlights of last week. I thought it was a really fun podcast to listen to. There was some great stuff. It was all over the map too. Like we were getting, I loved the opportunity to take a shot at the big markets with the Stephen A. Smith stuff because I remember you guys, we all talked about those comments a little bit last week, and it was just like exactly why we started this podcast. So that was really fun to hear you kind of dive into that a little bit. But overall, great podcast. Uh, happy you guys would have me back. 
Good to have you again, Connor. What a recap. I think we might have, Tell them Sports might have a second podcast coming soon. It's the mini market recap. <laughs> it's going to be with a Connor hitter. Kern. About five minutes. It's 15 minutes if you don't have time to listen to the real one. Yeah, the, the, the keynotes. All right, so Connor, you're talking a little bit about the mini market and our predictions about Zach Parise and Everson's beef and how that sort of came to fruition last week. Well, the Vikings have been doing some cutting of players that we predicted many episodes ago. So Lou, our Vikings guy, talk to us a little bit about the Vikes and their cuts. Yeah, first off, I would just like to take a little shout out to uh, Rick Spielman and or Ziggy Wilf because they're clearly listeners and or followers of the Tell em Sports blogs because they've done essentially everything that we have brought up that they should do. Um, if you're hiring, I mean, I think we would all be willing to at least hear your offer. I'm interested. So tellemsports.com, reach out, T-E-L-L-E-M. Ziggy, 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 <laughs> can't you see? Hop on the pod and discuss with me. Ooh, wow. That's pretty smooth. We're back in a big way, man. I'm a changed man. All right. But yeah, we obviously talked about the Rudy cuts uh, last week. Since then, um, Dan Bailey, the kicker, finally gone. Um, I think that's a good move. It's just probably for the best. He, It's just a good way to get some some money off the books. And I think he just needs a new fresh start somewhere. I think, I think we'll, we'll clearly be signing someone this offseason to a much lower contract than Dan Bailey, and hopefully we'll have better results. So looking forward to that. And then, obviously, the Riley Reef was the uh, most recent news. Um, he, his release frees up uh, almost $12 million in cap space. So that actually took the Vikes under the cap level, which uh, we were – pretty far over and it was pretty alarming for a while so uh it's nice to see that we're down there but it's just kind of funny to me since this is the guy who proved he was a team guy you know he took a five million dollar pay cut to bring in uh yannick Nung. you can do it come on you can do it let me start <laughs> yannick ngakwe 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 Yannick Ngakwe, uh, who pretty much barely contributed to the team and then got traded away. Uh, he also was due, uh, Riley Reef was due $4 million on March 19th. So he had a nice little payday coming and then they just caught him right before. So it's pretty ruthless. I know it's a business, but still pretty ruthless. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I guess the big takeaway, we are now $8.7 million under the cap. A lot of money to go make some splashes in free agency. But last take, I pretty much we were going to take an alignment in the draft anyways, but I think this pretty much just solidifies it. So You heard it here first, alignment in the draft. They will be taking an offensive alignment with one of their 12 picks. Um, it's bold, but it's out there now, baby. Yeah, I can't take it back. This is how we get our takes right. We just throw past a wide <laughs> net and just just remember the wins um how many games this is a way too early over under because we're doing that later but how many win or how many losses will be directly related to our kicking situation this year because i got a oh, bad feeling no. about it this year i don't even like we thought it was bad with db but we're gonna find out it can get worse i agree i, I wonder if they draft a kicker late um because that's a way to get a really cheap kicker um if that's the case 
I got a I already feel bad for whatever kid gets drafted by the Vikings and comes in and just I mean, it just feels from an outsider perspective like there's a lot of pressure within the metaphorical clubhouse or whatever in the locker room to like be perfect as a kicker and we we've kind of discussed that on the pod before but I mean I'm sh- I I would like to think this was more of a room a, a way to free up cap space and less of a you know we're done with Dan Bailey but regardless he's gone whatever direction they were trying to go with it he's gone now and hopefully hopefully we don't uh we don't you know lose like four or five games because of it but I'm sure there'll be one or two I think that's just kind of normal teams lose games because of kicking once a year twice a year maybe yeah and I think you made a good point there kind of where this was more about cap space because if it was just where you need to move on, like they, why wouldn't they have done that after he, you know, missed six kicks in a row or whatever it was during the season. So I think you're hundred percent right that it's pretty much mostly cap space driven, but who knows? Didn't Dan Carlson have a little brother. Could we just take him, just run that back, see if it works better this time? Yeah. Now Dan Carlson's like, a pretty solid kicker for the Raiders. So maybe we just need to give some time here. You mean two games wasn't enough time to evaluate a rookie kicker? <laughs> Moving on from the Vikes, the Wolves this week got off the schneid with a W. Oh, oh, oh. Zayer, your pups looking decent coming out of the All-Star break. What do you have to say? Yeah, so they they have had two good showings this week. Uh, the first one they routed the Pelicans in a in a wild game. Um, fun little stat that came out of that one: they were down 15 at one point and then ended up winning by 30. So I mean, a 45 point swing you you just don't see that. It, it was the first time in like 20 years that that had happened. Um, so making history, always good to be in the record books. That was a good win. Ant looked good there. Cat looked good. Uh, but it's the Pelican, like it's the Pelicans. They're not a great team. Um, they have like what 15, 16 wins on the season. They have been struggling to find their identity as a team. Uh, and two of our wins have been against the Pelicans, so maybe we just match up really well against them. But that one was funny to me because nobody celebrates the good things as hard as Wolves Twitter. Okay. Like I just, I love how the highest of highs. It's the highest of highs. Like you win one game, and it's like things are. We're back, totally baby. Turning around. We're a whole new team. We got a new coach. Our Huskies are doing well uh, with Noel and McDaniels. They both played well. Yeah, it, it was it was fun to fun to watch the the game via Twitter, kind of just to see the takes coming back because um, they do go through some low lows for the Wolves Twitter. So you got to celebrate the little things, and when you get a chance to get a victory, you got to go for it. Speaking of the Twitter and. Um celebrations did you guys see anthony edwards didn't know that you like doused the coach in water after their first win so like the whole team's waiting for chris finch to come in after his interviews and then anthony edwards edwards is just like off of the back and he had no idea what was going on so then the whole team is just dumping water on chris finch and then he comes like running in at the very last second and just dumps a bottle of water on him because he had absolutely no clue that was a thing you can't miss out on that the big moments like that. And then kind of from the pressers of that game, um, beyond that, that was kind of fun. You know, it's good to see a group of guys who've been through a lot have have a little bit of fun uh, and a little bit of success. But 
My new favorite thing with the Timberwolves is the Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards love fest. It is fun to watch. Um, Anthony Edwards said that Rubio is the the best leader he's ever been around in his life. Um, they've had throughout the season kind of this like little, you know, give and take, like toss a compliment here. I'll give you one back there. Um, real flirty energy from these two. And it, it's really fun. It's like, these are two guys that I really like. I really like Anthony Edwards. Like I said it last week, I'd start a franchise with him. I, I just think he has really good energy. Uh, he's, he seems like a, a, a teammate that people like to play with, like to play for. I feel the same way about Rubio. I've always liked Rubio. Um, but it's kind of like that thing when you have, you have two friends from different friend groups, but then you introduce them. And then and they end up hitting it off and they really like it. And it's like, wow, this is two things that I like coming together and they like each other. It feels good. It's a fun, fun little thing going on there. That's, that's my Wolves. Um, they lost a tough one to the Blazers last night. That was a pretty competitive game. Um, tough first quarter, but uh, they even, you know, took the lead in the third quarter for a while and in the fourth quarter. But um, Mello, you know, he had a splash of youth last <laughs> night. He looked really good. He had 26 points, and most of them came in the fourth quarter. He, say what you will about Mello, but his mid-range jump shot, when that thing goes in, when it's cooking, it is cooking. It was fun. It was fun to see him splash in the net a little bit. Mello's a guy you got to like, too. Um, and then, you know, when you get clo- in a close game with the Blazers, it's game time. Absolute game time. So it's a tough one to win there when you get it close uh, towards the end. Cat played really well again. Um, he went at Ennis Cantor. He's just faster, more athletic than Ennis Cantor. So it was a good matchup for Cat last night for sure. Um, so, I mean, the Wolves are trending in the right direction, I guess you could say, after, after the All-Star break. So that's good to see. Yeah, the big thing, um, the big takeaway that I had for the Wolves, uh, Anthony Edwards had 27 points in that win, so he's inching closer, flirting with that 30-point game that we took the over on. Well, some of us at least took the over on earlier in the oh. season. So I'm watching. People might think I forgot. I didn't. I'm waiting for it, baby. Yeah, it looked like Ennis Cantor was playing with a weighted vest on at points when uh, when Cat was going at him last night. He 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 definitely had cement shoes at certain points. It was kind of fun to watch Cat just like dissect him, pretty much dominate him there at points. So, yeah, huge win. Honestly, it's kind of nice to just see. And this is like the most Minnesota thing. It's nice to see the Wolves get a win and be in a competitive loss. I mean, it's like one of those moral victory with hand finger quotes there, but it's like. Just to be in the game, it feels like, okay, like this coach, we're heading in the right direction. Maybe they believe in him. Maybe he's making the right adjustments where it was fun to see a, a lead in the third quarter. Like usually if we're down at half, that game is over. But we kind of battled back a little bit, and I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, oh, he made all these corrections. Here's what he did. But uh, it's kind of nice to come out of half and, and regain the lead in the third quarter. And then even if it dwindles down, hey, that's just that's just Dame Dolly getting his, so. Yeah, it's good to see the guys buying in to Chris Finch a little bit. Coming off, what was it, a seven-game losing streak out of the break? You worry if they just quit on him, like how bad is the second half of the season going to be? Because this season feels like it's been 10 months long, but we still have 35 games left. So there's a lot of season left to watch this team. So it's good to see a little fight in them. And I think Finch figured some things out over the break too. I know in his first few games, well, Jaden McDaniels had been playing really well in the end of the Ryan Saunders run. And then Finch came in and he was playing McDaniels only like five, eight minutes a couple games. 
Um, but then coming out of the break, he played McDaniels most of the game. McDaniels went like eight of nine from the field, 20 points, playing really good defense. So I think he's figuring out the rotations a little bit more. And then Ike, you mentioned Jalen Noel. He's been a human flamethrower these first two games. So kind of fun to see a guy off the bench who comes in and just lights it up. He can shoot. He was playing point guard a little bit. Kind of a fun young player that Wolves fans haven't really got to see. You know, we've in a preseason game, he scored like 22 points in 10 minutes or something crazy like that. But we've never really got to see him in bulk. So it's fun to see these, you know, new guys, something new to talk about on Wolves Twitter. The trade deadline's looming. So you wonder these guys who play well now, are they going to, is the Wolves management going to try to leverage that into a deal? And are they going to try to showcase players, maybe like Wancho or Rubio, Jake Lehman, to try to make them a little bit more marketable to teams that need depth? You wonder where they're going to go. I think with Noel, he switched. He had the little mini afro and he went with the twisties uh, for his hairstyle. And I think that really unlocked his swag. Um, got him a little more confidence he's been lights out since he did that never underestimate the power of a good haircut that's so true you gotta look good feel good play good man so we'll go hoops to hoops here just a quick touch on the gophers men's season ended this past week in the big 10 tournament second round they did get a win over they did get a win over the uh terrible northwestern wildcats in the first round but then they lost to ohio state all of the talk this past week has been, you know, is Richard Pitino going to be gone? I, I tweeted this out a couple days ago. Follow me on Twitter at Dalton underscore tell him. Shout but out. I don't think that's the biggest question mark going into this offseason. I think the biggest question mark is Marcus Carr. He's the team's leader. He's a junior. He played incredible the first half of the season to the point where he was in a lot of mock drafts in the second round. The biggest question mark is, is Carr going to return or is Carr going to go pro? Because if he comes back, next year's team isn't really losing much. And they could be a team that competes for the NCAA tournament. But if he goes pro, it could be ugly. They could be the worst team in the Big Ten. I think he's he and himself is an eight-win swing, whether he comes back or not. So that's what I'm monitoring. Yeah, one thing for me that I think there might be a little combo platter in there somewhere. Because it seems that in college basketball, obviously, like, a couple good players can really make or break a team. You know, if you lose Carr, we're, like, a significantly worse team than if we have them, obviously. One of the things that makes me a little worried is the fact if we do get rid of Patino, are we losing some of these guys? Is he going to go to, I don't know, pick your school, he'll find another job. Is he going to bring some of the guys that we have? Because I would hate to see us lose, like, Jamal Mashburn, uh, junior, I think he's a really good guard coming off the bench for us. And I mean, there's a handful of guys, and we know how good Patino is in the transfer portal. Like that's, it seems like that's how he like naturally recruits. That's a little bit of a scary thing because yeah, I mean we're losing, kind of looking up and down the roster. I mean Eric Curry and Brandon Johnson, so we're losing a couple bigs. But I know in the recruiting class, obviously, they would love to get uh, the number one player in the country, Chet Holmgren, Minnesota person. But um, they do have like a, a decent three-star center coming in and another both 6'11". So they do have some big guys coming in to help probably fill that void. And I feel like they're pretty good at the guard position. Like both Gotch is, is coming back for his senior year, I would assume. I don't think he's going. Um, Mashburn 
they'll have Liam Robbins, hopefully healthy next year. Trey Williams, OBS junior next year. So they do have a lot of the guards that are coming back. Unfortunately, Gabe Kelster seems to have one more year of eligibility somehow. So there's about another point three percent shooting from behind the arc but um we should get gabe on the pod i think that'd be a nice conversation you have a great time but yeah so i mean i think i'm worried about if if he does leave will we keep the team intact because to me it seems like you know if if car comes back if the if the core is back again who you know if nobody goes to the draft which i think the big question mark is car it looks like we got a team that they could compete i mean you saw this year they beat michigan they beat ohio state in the regular season like it's in there it's just for whatever reason, they're 18 to 22 year olds and they have bad games and they go on a bad stretch. And that's kind of where it falls a little more on the coach to say, how can we get rein them back in? And I mean, I definitely think that's a big knock on Patino. But yeah, I, I, to touch my last thing is to touch on the press conference. Yeah, they basically asked him, well, what happens if like uh, the AD Coyle calls you in the office? He's like, well, I'm not going to like beg and plead for my job. Like, what I've done here, that's my resume. His decision is his decision. There's nothing personal. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm going to like take it on the chin and we'll move forward. And it's not going to ruin my life. It's not going to ruin the, the program's life and all this stuff. So he, he really was alluding to the fact that like life goes on. I'll get fired. I'll find a new job and move on. So I think that seems pretty inevitable at this point. R.I.P. Richie P. We're going to miss you. Lou, you made reference to this a couple podcasts ago, kind of offhand, semi-jokingly. But how interesting would it be if Ryan Saunders came in as the Gophers head coach? It would be interesting to see how the media and the fans react to that because everyone was so down on him as Wolves coach. But I feel like it would be a complete 180 of like, oh, now we have this young NBA tenured head coach as the Gophers head coach, a guy who went to the U. That would be really interesting. I doubt he has interest in it because once you're in the NBA, why not stick around in the NBA? But I think it would just be a fascinating uh, matchup there with the Gophers and Ryan Saunders. I mean, yeah, I feel like he's got to be gone, right? They lose their last seven regular season games. Uh, and his like his overall record is not bad, a little over 500 but his big 10 record is just horrendous and like if you can't make a splash in the in the big 10 like what like anyone can beat little you know non-conference league games that are just you know nobody schools so it's you got to win when it counts but i i think if the ghosts take saunders if he takes that job we might have a nick saban type situation on our hands anybody remembers how bad he was with the dolphins didn't have a great pro stint. Check the game notes. Bama's a pretty good program. Don't hate it. Here's a hot take. In an effort to get Chet Holmgren, they hire the Minnehaha coach. And that's their last-ditch effort to get him to come to the U for one year. Congratulations to Lance Johnson, the coach of Minnehaha Academy, on being the next Gophers head coach. I don't know if that's his name, but. So now it is time to move on to the hottest ticket in town, your Minnesota Wild. Connor, how are you feeling about the red hot Minnesota Wild? Oh, guy skips a podcast. He gets to come right back in and do his rundown again. Oh, (laughs) all right. I see how it is. We're back, baby. The Wild are great. They are a solid team. 
They're extremely fun to watch. I think they are on a three-game win streak right now, so that's always a treat. They've had two shutouts in their last three games, uh, one against the Golden Knights, who are the leaders in the division right now with a game in hand. And they, more, moreover, they swept the Golden Knights in that most recent series, which is awesome. Um, just one 4-0 against the, the Coyotes. And you can't talk about the Wild without talking about what appears to be the greatest player to ever live, Kirill Kaprizov. His first career hat trick, uh, we'd like to be the first to congratulate him on that. I don't think anybody's really been mentioning that lately in the uh, you know local or national media, but he did have a hat trick in case you missed it. And two of those goals looked like you were watching a replay of the other one. I mean, he skates, he uses his body, goes around the net, pops out, gets into the slot where there's four color or coyote defenders, and he still finds a way to get uh, get an open shot. One of them banks off a defender's breezers. That's kind of cool, kind of lucky, whatever. But the other one was just an absolute snipe. And then for his third goal, Zuccarello, who looks like his, he might be his older brother that they were like separated at birth because they're, the connection there is absolutely unreal. Slides, he's on the sidewall, slides it over. Kaprizov tees one up and just hammers it home. Top shelf where mom keeps the cookies. And I mean, at that point, you're just like, this dude can do anything. And I, I'm sure most of us saw it. I'm sure a lot of you saw it out there if you're on Twitter. But there was a, a video of him, like, skating off the ice, and he hits the shrug, kind of like, yep, welcome to the show, baby. And that was just like, man, the Wild have this really cool cat who's now, like, the best player on our team. I mean, he – we had this the preseason totals. I, at the beginning of the season, thought it might take him a few games to get situated in the NHL. It really doesn't look like it took that long. He looks like he's comfortable. He's flying around. He's incredible on his edges. He's probably one of the best skaters on the wild. I mean, he he's so fluid. He's flying all over the place. I'm just, I'm buzzing with excitement every time I get a chance to watch the wild, looking at UFSN that that's not more, but um, it's just so fun to watch them. And they got a couple more games against the Coyotes coming up. Um, and then And then we just keep rolling. It'll be really fun to see what the Wild end up doing at the deadline. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? I mean, you got to think they're probably going to be buying, but there's a chance that we could we could move some pieces around, or or maybe they just kind of let it ride. We just keep it going. I know Garen has not been really one to trade capital, so I don't think I see us giving up future draft picks for players to come in. But uh, yeah, because um, I should say April 12th is the deadline. So there's about a month left here to kind of make some decisions and see where the wild continue to, if they continue on this hot streak, I think it's pretty obvious that they might be in the market to, to obtain some pieces. And I mean, I just don't see them falling off right now. They're just on such a high. So it's been a real treat. Oh, a welcome surprise. I would say too. I, I, I saw the wild as being more in the middle tier, but they're, they're looking like a pretty top tier team right now. And we'll see how that this may age horribly. Like, uh, but sometimes a tweet, you know, for example, might age poorly in the, in the shortcomings and then end up looking real nice and age like fine wine. Some may say after that, wouldn't you agree? Ike? Retweet. Speaking of the Kaprasov, uh, Kaprasov shrug, that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. He was so cool when he was just skating off and did the little like, hmm, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, I, I mean, this is pretty cool. I guess this is kind of fun to do this. Just like we're playing knee hockey down in the basement, but and like a little smirk. And the guy just looks so young. 
I mean, it looks like he's obviously there's the whole rookie of the year debate, but whatever. We don't need to dive into that too much, but he looks like he's 17. It's unbelievable. And he's just wheeling and dealing in the NHL. I uh, I personally love that he got his first hat trick in the sweet throwback retro jerseys. I freaking love those things. They're so sweet. Yeah, I agree. They're they're dynamite jerseys. I think anybody who would dispute that's off their rocker. Okay, so I, I have a take. <laughs> I like the jerseys. I think they're fantastic. But I think our green, our dark green jerseys look better when you're watching a game something about that combo of the just the breezers and the jerseys being the same color just a very nice monochromatic look with the off-white works for me i think there's a quick way to kind of figure out what uh what the people out there are thinking and i think we'll maybe do a twitter poll to just see because i think you're not alone i think a lot of people i know personally i really enjoy the the green the green jerseys the wild have i think the retros are the reverse retros are super sick and i I like them a little better, but those are definitely top, two of the top jerseys for me. The the reverse retros should just straight up replace the white jerseys that one hundred percent, which are yeah. atrocious. And that's been jersey talk. I think what's interesting for me about the Wild is that, he, as good as Kaprasov has been, he's leading all rookies in scoring, and he is a rookie. Like Connor said, we're not going to get too far into that, but he is a rookie. Um, he's got 10 goals. Watch out over under. He's coming for you. He got 13 assists, 23 points. But that doesn't put him in the top 30 for points in the NHL. He's outside of the top 30, and he's our leading point scorer. So the Wild have done what they've done without having somebody in the top 30 in points. So what that means is that they share the wealth, and that's kind of uh, indicative of the way that Kaprasov plays. Like, he's a star, and he can score. Obviously, he's proven that, but he likes to get everybody involved and you've seen the success that people have on his line with him but i think that's kind of matriculated down into the rest of the lineup like i think you got a lot of guys right there in the middle with points um and i, I think that's a good sign because you're not you're not you you're scoring potentially on all lines you're not hoping that night in night out you need one guy or two guys to have fantastic games to do well um, so I think that bodes well for their success going forward. Uh, and then a guy who's starting to come alive a little bit, Kevin Fiala. Wow. It's good to see that. It's good to see that. He's starting to find the back of the net for sure. Yeah, to, to kind of piggyback off of that point, Ike, the, the Wild have 11 players with 10 or more points. So, yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. They are spreading the wealth. And there's kind of some surprising players in there, like um, like Jewel Erickson at, Eck has 10 goals, is tied for the team lead with Kaprizov. I think most people did not see him scoring as much. Um, and again, to, to build on your other point of kind of up and down the lineup, I saw a quote from Felino. I think, um, after they lost to the Coyotes like f- five games ago or something like that. And he was saying that, you know, they he he saw his line playing too much in the D zone. He's like, we even though we we were a third line that night is we we have offensive capabilities we can get in the offensive zone and possess the puck and then the next night he goes out and scores two goals and it's one of those things where up and down the lineup every line seems to play solid defense or good enough defense and then they get into the offensive zone and they're moving they're flying around and kind of possessing the puck and making it really difficult to play against them so it's been a lot of fun to see this wild team progress and and hopefully Hopefully they can add a piece at the deadline that even makes them stronger, and we'll, we'll see where they go from there. 
I think you touching on that Coyotes game is that's like right now one thing that could stop them is that was a game where I think they thought they better they were better than they are. They think they thought they didn't have to compete, didn't have to skate that night, and they got beat. And I think that was probably in a way a good loss, like a reminder that you still have to treat every game like it's equally as like every game like you're playing the golden knights every game like you're playing the avalanche like you can't take any games for granted um and i think that was a good reminder for them because then they came out and they've gone on a hot streak after that yeah and the last thing on them we should not forget um the the play between the pipes uh talbot had a shutout last game but capo kakinen has had eight straight victories and he looks real solid between the pipes um his his stats are, are are up there in the league as a as a top end defend or a goalie and and i think if if he's uh, if he's going to be as good as he is right now all year we're going to have a nice one two punch between the net and they always say it's a lot like pitching in baseball if you can get hot at the right time if you get a, if you get the 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 guys who are involved a lot playing hot at the right time you can really make a deep run in the playoffs so that's going to be crucial for them going forward is to continue to have good play from the goalies okay and to round out the minnesota sports rundown little twins there's not a lot going on with the twins this week and dalton simmons finally joined the squad he was stuck in curacao with some visa issues but he's finally around hasn't done much in spring training yet but it's just good to have one of your starting players actually in camp Something I wanted to touch on. I know you guys give me a hard time for loving old Rand, Randy Dobnik. But he, so he's got a zero ERA right now in spring training. And I know it's spring training, but Jay Happ had COVID and is still coming back from COVID. So it could be questionable whether he's going to be ready for opening day. And honestly, I would have Randy Dobnik as the team's fourth starter right now. I think if Randy would have a full season of work it's very reasonable that he could go like 15 and eight and get 15 wins. Think about Randy Dobnik. So a couple of years ago, he was pitching independently or an independent ball. The twins signed him. Yeah, I need no man. Yeah. And then, so in 2019, he started in high A and basically plowed through the minor leagues and then, you know, burst onto the scene, Uber driver, all that stuff and started playoff game in Yankee Stadium. Well, when you're absolutely demolishing the minor leagues, you're not making adjustments. You're just going out there and you're throwing. And then last year, really weird COVID season. So no spring training, really. You just kind of show up and you're going. The Twins haven't had a lot of time to really tinker with Randy Dobnik, and he's had success. And this spring, now he's introduced a new slider grip that he's worked with the analytics team on, where now it looks the same as his sinker, but then sort of breaks the opposite way. So he's adjusted his slider grip, thinks it's going to be a lot more effective, and it has been a lot more effective so far. So I think this season the Twins are finally sort of getting to mold the big sexy clay that is Randy Dobnik. So I think he's been great so far as far as zero expectations and has been a significant contributor the last two seasons. I think he could have a legitimate breakout season where he comes in they give him a starting rotation spot to start the season, and then he just grabs hold of it and doesn't let go. Hot damn, I'm going to change my shorts after Woo. that one. Um, to have a zero ERA in spring training, hopefully he kind of keeps coming out and having solid starts, and I think there's a case to be made. Bing, bang, boom. Randy Dobnik just stepped in the room. 
All right. You know what time it is. It's over-unders, everybody's favorite segment. So we have some prop style over-unders. We're going to go around, each give our takes, give our reasons why. Got the wild here first. A little Kirill Kaprizov points. The over-under is set at 49.5 points on the season. Connor, you want to start us off? Yeah, I should note that uh, I believe this over-under set by... Uh, Vegas was at like 35 and a half at the beginning of the season. And since then, uh, Vegas has updated that. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big number, 50 points in like 56 games. That's a lot. So for me, I got to hammer the over, baby. We're doing it. Yeah. Here, we go. Here we go. I mean, he, he's just electric factory. You can't, you can't, you can't dispute that at all. It's a total 180 from what I thought I mentioned earlier. I thought he was going to have a slow start in the NHL. And he's he's humming along with 23 points in like 25 games, so he's doing great. He's gonna, I think he's gonna get over that 50 point threshold. I hope so too. You can't dispute it, so I won't dispute it. I'm riding the over, baby. Over, but just like you say, he's already at 23, and he looks like he's just heating up. So let's ride the wave as long as possible. I don't think it matters what number the over-under set at. I'd take the over. You can't doubt Kirill the Thrill. So over's all around. I think an interesting thing about him is he's one of those few guys that appears to just be able to like create his own offense. Like I think they talk about that a lot in basketball where it's like, can this guy like get the ball and like create his own shot? It like from from his hat trick game where both two of his where he just basically possessed the puck for like 15, 10 seconds, and eventually got himself open despite being surrounded by defenders and then gets his open shot and then, you know, he knows where to put it once he's got a lane to shoot. I think that's one special thing that appears to be just inherited from God or whatever, from, from who knows, his parents. I don't know, but it's just been something that's innate in his nature that he can just create offense and find openings. Boom. Sticking with the Wild for number two, little Zach Parise here. The number of games that Parise has left in a Wild sweater over under is set at 16 and a half. There are 16 games until the trade deadline of April 12th. Do we think he's going to be dealt or not? Lou, lead us off. Initially, I was going to say over, but I got to go under. It just looks like they've been trending away from him. This Everson lunch line beef is really just coming to coming to a head, and I think Parise is going to take the last tater tot hot dish or something, and Everson is just that just say my office now, and it's going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with the under. Yeah, I'd say Everson and Parise are in a microwave right now because this beef is heating up. I'm taking the under. Ooh. I'm going to take the over. I uh, I'm curious with like his uh, with Parise's kind of lack of production this year, what they'll be able to get for him. Um, the thing that I'm nervous about is he's he's clearly a leader on the team. So if you keep him around and we start you know healthy scratching him more, what's that going to do to the team culture as a whole? Um, but I think there's a chance he might turn it around here going forward. I would like to put out there though if they do trade Capri or if they do oh. oh can't even say Hold those words. On. My head started to, I, my, my blood's rushing to my head right now. Um, Did it just get hot? <laughs> if they do trade Parise, I uh, I would like to 
throw something out there. So the Islanders wanted him last year. If they want him again this year, right now, Anders Lee, who's a center from Edina, that is like one of the top centers for the Islanders. He's injured right now, but I'd love to get him in a trade, even though he's injured. I feel like you could get him because of that injury for cheaper. And then the Wild have a top end center coming back off an injury at the end of the year or going in next year, which they desperately need. And I think that I think Parise, now this contradicts me a little bit, but he might be one of those guys where you just need a new scenery. You know, he's been here for a long time. It doesn't seem to be working. So if he does get traded, I wish him all the best. But I, I think he's going to stay here, and I think he's going to turn it around. Otherwise, Anders Lee, what's up? That was a whirlwind. That, that was a lot, Connor. You kind of went out all over the board. I like that. That was very... very... <laughs> People are like, what the hell did he even <laughs> say over or under? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd take the over just because what team's going to want Zach say? What does he have, two years left on his deal? And he's getting super highly paid, and now he's getting healthy scratched. Either way, I, I find it hard to believe that somebody's going to give up anything valuable for a couple of years of an aging player on a heavy contract. So I'd take the over. I'm just straight cutting him. <laughs> the ultimate healthy scratch. <laughs> the forever healthy scratch. All right, from the wild to the wolves here. Wolves wins on the season, 75. All right, not 75. Under, under, under. I want the under. I want the under. <laughs> I will pay as much as I can for that under. All right, Wolves win on the season, 17 and a half. So they're currently at eight wins eh. with 34 games left. 17 and a half wins. Isaiah, what do you have for us? I just have a request for the podcast. Can we stop putting the wild and the wolves right next to each other in our segments and stuff? Because it's just like, it just exacerbates how bad the wolves are. I, I don't love it. <laughs> that being said, noted. I, I, you know what? No. Positive no, vibes only. No way. We're, coming, we're playing well. We got it rolling. I think, you know, Finch is starting to get this. The looks are open. They're starting to get this offense cooking a little bit. I'm, I'm seeing 20 wins in this team's future. Give me that over. In the future? How far down in the future? Jeez. <laughs> um, I will go next. I'll take the under. And um, I think we're drawing straws. Who's talking Ike off the ledge when, uh, when they go on like an eight-game losing streak here and we're back in Wolves culture. Oh. <laughs> yeah, under all the way. There is absolutely no hope to get to 18 wins this season, let alone 20. Maybe next year. Maybe next year, bud. I believe in Chris Finch. Here we Put go. Finch's nest. Give me your eggs. Do it all. All right. <laughs> and, uh, I'll take the over. We're legally obligated. To, uh, we're not formally requesting eggs from Finch. All right. Okay, and then a little bit of Wolves draft talk. So the Wolves draft pick slot over under set at three and a half. So we're basically predicting as of today whether the Wolves keep their pick or not because it is top three protected. I am going to start. And I'm going to say under, meaning they keep their pick because Woo! the fate of the franchise basically rests on this draft lottery. I don't even think that's hyperbole to say if they lose this draft pick, your 2023 Las Vegas Wolves 
I am taking the under because I want the Wolves to be in Minnesota. I think this is fun because this is an emotional pick. This like there's not, you know, there's not a lot of data unless you're like, oh yeah, I think the Wolves are going to get hot and win, you know, like get into, you know, get into fifth fifth worst team range. Like they're going to stay in the bottom four most likely unless something crazy happens. So this is just an emotional like do you think we will keep this pick based on your your lucky or the Wolves luckiness essentially. And I'm going under. I feel real confident. I feel great about this one. I think we're going to have a top two pick, honestly. I feel good about that. So let's go. Let's go, let's baby. Go. The Wolves, are, we're going to be back. We're going to be okay. I think two years from now, we're going to be looking at this team a little different than we are now. So, oh, oh. I'm going under as well. Um, yeah. Essentially, you know, law of averages. We've had such shitty luck for so long. Something's got to change, starting with this draft. Under. Love the energy right now from the room. Feels this good, baby. Yeah, it feels good. I'm also taking the under, but I got something to say. I think we've been talking, you guys have been talking a lot about luck and like draft order and how it comes down to luck. But as we all know, NBA is rigged. Um, and I had an interesting conversation with a coworker this week about the New World Order and the Freemason Society. And uh, Buckle up. Nicholas they are Nicholas they Cage. are the people in charge of the NBA. They're running it. They run everything. They got their hand in all the cookie jars, all the pots of honey. The Freemasons are in there. And so it's basically up to them. Do they want the Wolves to be in Minneapolis or are they OK with them moving to Vegas? And I just got a good feeling about it. They are they're feeling like Minneapolis. I may have slipped them a 20. But I think they're feeling like Minneapolis is a, a basketball city and we're going to keep the Wolves, which means we're keeping the pick and we can still do that with 20 wins. So here we go. Let's go. Okay, that does it. Episode 11, the Mini Market Pod presented by Talon Sports. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We're going to have another guest on soon, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. Follow us on Twitter at Talon Sports. See you next week. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.